0: Hello and welcome back to the Scenario 7 podcast. My name is Sam and today I'm joined by my lovely co-host for the first time this year in a preview. It's Josh Bacon and Matt Collier. How are you two doing?
1: I am great. Thank you, Sam. It's good to finally be here and get some points on the board. Let's go.
0: Yeah, it's great to have you, mate, to get some predictions, points and Matt, how are you doing?
2: Yeah, I'm good. Thank you, Sam. How are you doing?
0: Yeah, I am all good. I'm all good. And today we are here for an Australian Grand Prix preview. We're finally back in Australia after a two year absence, last race in 2019. So I guess that'll make it a three year. I don't know. Maths isn't my strong point. It's a two year absence. But yeah, we're bringing you an Australian Grand Prix preview. But before we get into all of that, we're going to start off with, have I got F1 news for you? And Josh, I've slightly themed it around you, despite the fact we're in Australia for this race. Josh on Friday is off to America uh, for two weeks for uh, a trip where he's going to go see loads of stuff, which I'm really jealous about. But yeah, it's slightly themed around you. So the headline. So for people that don't know, I'm gonna read an F1 headline for this uh, this week, and Matt and Josh have to guess what the missing word is. Either of you can jump in, and whoever gets it first doesn't even get a point, but just interesting in it. So the headline is uh Deminicali wants F1 to avoid space. American driver. And this is from motorsport.com. So Domenicali wants F1 to avoid what word? American driver. Either
2: of you can jump
0: in with a guesser. Oh, it's
1: got
2: to be a name though, surely. Yeah. I was going to say casino, but then it kind of has to be a name. So <laughs> I've got no idea. I, I, will give you, I will
0: give you a clue. And... Despite this being an America thing, the word is something you would attribute to Australia and it's not a name. It's not a name. Oh gosh. I don't know. I can see this.
1: Hot hot American driver, man. It's hot in Australia.
0: I could I could see the clogs turning, but I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna push you to for a final answer. What is your? It's one word. What do you think it is? Dominic Ali wants F1 to avoid what American driver? Josh. What's your final answer? I'm just
1: I don't know. Heated.
0: It's to do with, it's to do with Australia. I'll let you go yeah, again. Australia's hot, you know. Okay, you're gonna go heated, Matt. To do with Australia. Uh, Ricardo. It wasn't. It's not a name. Not but,
1: a name, not a
0: name. <laughs> <laughs> but right. So the headline is: Domenicelli. wants F1 to avoid boomerang American oh. driver. So Stefano I'll, I'll <laughs> Stefano Domenicelli is eager to ensure F1 does not encounter a boomerang effect with any possible American driver amid the swell in US interest in the series. Speaking at the launch of the Las Vegas event, f one CEO and president said that while securing an American driver was important, it also has to be real. Of course, the last American driver in F1 was Alexander Rossi, who raced five times for Morussia in 2015, and I think it's fair to say in recent times American drivers haven't had a long career in F1 but my first question to pose to you as I mentioned he was speaking at the launch of the Las Vegas race what are your thoughts on racing in Las Vegas it is the third race that we will have in America what do you what are your thoughts do you
1: like it um I think it's personally a good idea so we finally. F1's finally broken into the market in America and it just shows the support that it can it can get from anywhere. And I think it's even though three races in one country sounds like a lot, if you think of the, the land mass and how big uh, America actually is, I think it's just it's fine as three uh in the same country. Um the track itself, it should it should be interesting. It looks quite it looks quite small and fast, but um I think it'll be it'd be good. It'll be a good weekend because we'll see how the drivers handle themselves over the weekend because obviously Las Vegas, we know what it's famous for. Um, but yeah, I think for the fans, it's gonna be amazing because once again it's Las Vegas. Um, but yeah, I think the addition of it to the to the Canada next year is gonna be a, a good one.
2: Yeah, um, it's a great venue. I'm sure all the drivers will like it, all the fans will like it. Um, It does seem a bit short, as Josh said. I think it's only got 14 14 corners. And, um, yeah, the fact that we're going to have three tracks in America. um, I kind of agree with Josh that, you know, America's massive. But then, you know, the whole world is competing to get on on the F1 calendar. And the fact that America's got three. um, Yeah, I, I quite like other countries personally to be on the calendar instead of, three races in America.
0: Mm, Yeah, there's certainly countries that should be on the calendar that aren't. So when considering that America now has three, you could think it's quite unfair. I'm thinking Germany. I'm thinking we don't have a race in Africa, but I guess that's to do with the financial gain of it all. But as you both mentioned, when you're looking at landmass of America, it is massive having three races is fair a lot of people aren't happy that they've just decided to put a track on the main strip uh, in La- Las Vegas when there are some really good race tracks all over America they could have chosen instead but the drivers love it you could tell when they uh, did the F1 video Um, where they were showing the reaction. They were hyped. Ricardo's not going to retire next year anymore. He's going to continue on just so he can race in Las Vegas. So I think all in all, it will be interesting. The track is just basically loads of straights. It could be rubbish. It could be interesting. For drivers, it would be awesome. I'm interested to see from a spectator's point of view, but... We will have to wait and see. And my second question, based on uh, Domenicali's statement, was he he mentioned, of course, that he doesn't want to have a boomerang American driver, mentioning how uh, American drivers don't really stick around at F1 for very long, especially in recent times. But why do you think there is such a lack of American drivers? Because In America, you have NASCAR, you have IndyCar, you have all these big races, and America is massive. So there should surely be a big pool of drivers. So why is the last American driver that raced in F1 racing in
1: 2015? I think you've kind of answered it yourself in the the way you posed the question. There's IndyCar and NASCAR in America, which are massive, and they've been there for for longer than F1 has been um, interested or around interested in America. Because obviously they've only really just broken into the uh, market in America for F1 and NASCAR and IndyCar have been around for ages and everyone in America knows what it is, loves it. And probably any driver in America wants to become one of those drivers instead of run Formula One. So I think that's the reason as of recently there hasn't been many F, uh, F1 American drivers. But now that we've finally broken into America and have more races and more fans involved, I think we'll then get more youngsters wanting to become drivers in Formula One over NASCAR and IndyCar. So I think that's the reason for what it's been like in the past times and not right now, but for the future, I think we'll see something very different.
2: Yeah, um, I basically agree with what everything that Dross has said, um, you know, America Grown up in America, you'll probably wanted if you loved racing, you probably want to do IndyCar or NASCAR and um, America's only just recently got loads of interest. Um, I think the main impact of that is try to survive, you know, when you look at um, the F1 crowds before try to survive started and now a few years later, you know, you're getting packed out stands and all that kind of stuff. Um, so, yeah, as I said, I, I agree with everything Josh has said. Um, I think that America's finally getting uh, the interest and the, the fans flooding through the gates. And uh, yeah. Mm.
0: It, is, it is an interesting thing that they are going for NASCAR and IndyCar. And I agree that it is because the F1 hasn't been as big and now it's growing. The iconic F1 driver or American F1 driver for me was Scott Speed, former Toro Rosso driver. So funny being called Scott Speed, racing 28 times, getting zero points. He just he, he just couldn't live up to his name. Uh, what an absolute legend. But I think that in terms of who I think the next American driver in F1 is, I think he'll end up being Colton Herter, currently an IndyCar driver. He'll be testing for McLaren this year. And I feel like it's inevitable for Andretti to set up an F1 team. I think that's definitely going to happen. I have a feeling he'll be their first driver because he's a very talented IndyCar driver. And I think he will be the first of a wave of drivers from America that might start entering into F1. But now let's move on to why we're here. uh, Australian Grand Prix preview, Albert Park. We're back here again. It's 58 laps around a 5.2 kilometre circuit. And there have been a plethora of changes since 2019 to hopefully improve races. Some of them more dressed it than others. First of all, the track used to be 16 corners. Now it's 14. We've lost two corners. And let me go through each change. So at turn one, it's now two and a half metres wider. Turn three, four metres wider with the camber being adjusted. Turn six, seven and a half metres wider, which is just crazy. Turn seven has had the curb extended. Turn nine and ten, the chicane is now just a straight. Uh, We've got the new turn 11, which the apex has been widened and the camber changed, and then... Turn 13, or the new Turn 13, has been widened on the inside with the pit lane also widened. But for me, the biggest change is we're going to get four DRS zones with two detection points, four DRS zones. I can't think of a race that has had more than three. To be honest, I thought they were only allowed a max of three. So for them to rock up and have four DRS zones is pretty crazy. What are your you guys' thoughts? Because I've seen some people quite frustrated because one of the promises with the new cars is the slow easing out for DRS because the cars can follow better. But what do you guys think? Because racing surely will improve.
2: I'll let you go first, Josh. Run go, yeah. Um, well, you've you touched on it already, Sam. Um, you know, these regulations were to encourage overtaking. There were talks about banning DRS for this season. And the fact that we've got four DRS zones um, kind of it explains how difficult it is to overtake around this track. Um, I'm kind of a bit disappointed personally because you'd expect a newly profiled and redesigned track um, to have loads of overtaking opportunities and the fact that they've got four DRS zones kind of goes to show that um, there's not going to be as much overtaking as they want and they're, you know, they're trying to get people close with DRS. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's always been difficult to overtake around this track, but I think, as you mentioned, Sam, they've widened uh, some of the corners. Um, but yeah, four DRS zones just seems way too extreme for me.
1: Yeah, I'm, I'm in agreement with Matt. It definitely needed changing because um, there weren't that many opportunities to overtake uh, in this old layout. Um, so widening some of the corners and possibly getting rid of some of them was definitely a good idea. But I think to then add another DRS zone just because they got rid of some corners and they wanted to make it a longer straight it just doesn't seem the like the right move in my opinion but um we could we could be proven wrong and it could be uh, a natural a good idea and it might actually give more overtakes but um i'm not sure it just seems like too too many drs zones. on not it's not even a big not that big of a track if you look at it so to have four in one just imagine one person gets four DRSs in one lap, but like how unfair is that going to be to the the other driver in in front of him? but it just, I don't know they just it seems like they've missed the trick somewhere of design like Matt said in designing the track better than what they what it is now. so we'll we will see on Sunday, and hopefully we are proven wrong, but I'm not sure if it's the right move.
0: So you two have your doubts, but do you think it's definitely an improvement on the last track layout? Do you think this is definitely a positive step forward? Because I've seen Daniel Ricciardo, of course, it's his home race. So he is going to, he's going to praise it. But he said, I've seen him say that he's very happy with the changes because before overtaking was impossible. And now there's actual opportunities. Do you think it's a definite step forward?
1: Yeah, I'd say it's a step in the right direction, but just not quite there yet. If that makes sense, I think so. I think they've, with, with widening the corners and getting rid of some of the corners, they have taking the, the right step. But just adding that extra DRS zone is kind of like made it feel like they're taking another step back. But um, yeah, like I said, we'll, we will see on Sunday. Um, yeah, as, as I explained, um,
2: you know, when redesigning and creating this, all these changes to the track, you think that um, it's going to encourage loads of overtaking and they'd almost go back and get rid of a DRS zone. But, you know, they've increased it to four DRS zones. Um, I can uh, I can imagine the race being a DRS train. Um, as Josh explained, the track's actually not that big in the grand scheme of things. Um, so it's going to be a lot of DRS trains, I reckon. and. You know, as F as F1 fans, um, you know, I, I prefer thrilling overtakes that don't involve DRS. You know, that's that's why one of the main reasons we love the sport, whether it's in the wet or no DRS in unexpected corners and you know, four DRS zones just for me, it just it just doesn't seem right.
0: Yeah, it will be interesting to see what happens with it because of course we had in Saudi Arabia the tactic of basically trying to be behind the other car and the car in first was trying to break behind the car in second and then the car in second was trying to make sure they'd stay behind and they'd all just lock up um so it'll be interesting if we have some of that but four drs zones is crazy i have a feeling it could be a bit of carnage and a drs train so we will have to see but again we haven't Race this layout we will have to wait and see and that's all we can do but now it's time to throw it over to robert for his track
3: guide using the f1 2021 game welcome to albert park and of course welcome back to the scenario 7 track guide after a long break we're back in australia but this time we've got some changes However, because we are doing this guide on the F1 2021 game, which does not have the new layout as a playable version, you'll just have to trust me when I point out the changes. With a distance of 5.3km in length and one less corner now after the removal of one of these chicanes, the track in Melbourne is a true classic. Mostly known as a season opener in recent years, the track would have already had the new layout change if it weren't for the Covid-19 pandemic. We will see the first change right from the get-go. Turn 1 is a relatively fast right-hander, and this year it will allow cars to go even quicker because it was widened by 2.5 meters. We've just opened the DRS for the first time, but don't worry, there are three more DRS zones to go. Crazy, right? And now we're braking hard in turn 3, which was also widened. And in this short twisty section, you won't even need to press the brake pedal if you get your line right. You will then get straight to turn 6, which, as you may have guessed, is now widened by 7.5 meters. And this is where you'll see the most drastic change, because the chicane of turn 9 and 10 is gone completely, so you won't have to break here, as I just did. This is where the second DRS zone will be, and it will allow you to carry maximum speed into what I consider to be the trickiest corner on this track, the ultra-fast chicane of turns 11 and 12. Get through this safely and you're pretty much done. Sector 3 is very slow in comparison to the first two and despite the change to turn 13 in order to accommodate the third DRS straight which means that the run-up to turn 13 is a bit longer and the corner itself is wider. The last three corners remain virtually unchanged with the last couple of turns allowing you to gracefully go through them by just feathering the brake and managing your throttle. Once you have stabilized the car and you've opened the DRS for the final time you'll have crossed the line of the Albert Park Grand Prix.
0: Thanks, Robert. Now let's look at the last race in Australia. Of course, we haven't raced since 2019, so it wasn't last year. So we can't look back a year. We're looking back quite, quite a bit. Big gap. First of all, I will go through what all, all the key moments. So first of all, in Quali, Hamilton lined up on pole with Bottas second and Vettel third. On lap one, Ricardo lost his front wing before even going around turn one by touching the grass, uh, trying to overtake Perez. Lap 11, Carlos Sainz retired with a fire in the back of his car after an engine failure. Lap 16, Grosjean, did a 10.8 second pit stop with a front left problem. Lap 31, Ricardo retired with a mechanical failure. Lap 32, Roman Grosjean retired with a suspension failure. Bottas ended up winning the race by 22 seconds with fastest lap. Hamilton finishing second from pole for the fourth consecutive year, and Verstappen came. Third, I mean, if with me talking through the key moments, with most of them just being retirees due to mechanical failures, it wasn't the best race in the world. But what is a memory you have from the 2019 race?
1: I'm just gonna keep it simple. Nothing to do with the racing whatsoever. Just the fact that we get we had three new drivers of um, Norris, Albon and George Russell. Uh, who are all still in in F1 now, and yeah, just just the trio who we, who we all know and love, finally joining the sport and um, bringing bringing new fans and different fans uh, to the sport. So yeah, that was definitely my memory for that race in 2019.
2: Um, I won't talk too much about Ricardo because I, I know you're gonna talk about it in a bit, but uh, <laughs> it it was very funny. Um, I'll never forget um, someone holding up a sign saying, Renault doesn't give you wings. (laughs) But um, yeah, for for my uh, memory of 2019, I've gone with uh, Bottas. Um, From the start, he got a brilliant start on uh, Lewis Hamilton. He was on pole. And, you know, from then on in, he was just relentless. Uh, As you already said, he had a 22-second lead um, over Hamilton when he crossed the line. Um, you know, when Mark Webber was on the podium, he was surprised and asked Bowtry, you know, what he had for breakfast, and he, he responded with porridge. And uh, yeah, it was it was definitely a, a brilliant race for uh, bottas.
0: Mm, yeah, definitely a great race for Bottas and a lot of Finnish drivers actually done very well around Australia. I wonder why, but yeah, a brilliant race for Bottas. But yeah, as you mentioned, Matt, I'm gonna talk about Daniel Ricardo. He is my memory from the last race, but unfortunately it's not a positive one. It was a Daniel Ricciardo disaster class at his home race. So unfortunate losing his front wing before turn one. I mean, having watched it back a few times today, it was just so unlucky to lose his front wing because he wasn't even fully on the grass. He just touched the grass. Like he had just, he had one wheel on it. And his front wing just went really unlucky. But then to make matters worse, you could think after lap one, it's fine. It's lap one. There'll be safety cars. He'll change his front wing. He'll come up the field. He's going to get a great top 10. But no, he then retired on lap 31 with a mechanical failure. And it's not as if he was making great progress because on lap 31, he was 17th. When he retired, so it was a bit of a disaster for Ricardo. I think I'm right in thinking that was his first race for Renault um, after leaving Red Bull. So an awful debut for Renault. As as you can see now, he's not great at adjusting to teams. Hopefully, he has a better race this year. But with the McLaren package we've seen so far, I think it might be unlikely. But yeah, that is my memory of the last race. And now we move on to our predictions. First of all, looking back at Saudi Arabia and seeing where we sit in the table after two races. I'm the only one in this podcast who points. So big, big win for me. I'm sitting in first position with uh, an average of two points. So we're not doing it on total points, we're doing it on average points because we know that everyone can't be on every podcast. We're basically doing it so Josh can actually not definitely come last and can stand a chance because we can't always be on every podcast and so an average would make it more fair. But yeah, as I said, I'm in first with a two-point average in second with a 1.5 point average, very close there. And Robertson third with an average of 0.5 points with you two sitting in fourth and fifth with zero points, but also zero predictions. So you're not really sitting in last. You just haven't started yet. But this is your opportunity to get off the starting line. And let's first go through the wacky predictions starting with uh so these predictions we go through first accident first safety car slash red flag first pit stop first blue flag and most overtakes so for all of these we have to guess the driver and the lap and then for most overtakes the driver and how many overtakes and i will get us started as neither of you have done this before so starting with first accident I've just kind of gone for a bit of a theme here because after Saudi Arabia, this driver really frustrated me because he kind of ruined my driver's chance of winning the race, which he definitely was going to do. Uh, And first accident, I've got Nicholas Latifi, Uh, lap eight. I did end up having a bit of a rant about him at the end of the last podcast about how he potentially didn't deserve a seat in F1 anymore after weeks of me trying to defend him. But that's fine. Then for first safety car and red flag, or all red flag, I've also gone Latifi, lap eight. I feel like first accident, Latifi's a pretty solid guess. And that's, hopefully he proves me wrong, because I really do like him. Very likable bloke. Third prediction, first pit stop, I've gone Verstappen at lap eight. I don't know why, but I just think everything's going to happen on lap eight. And I've gone for Verstappen because I think he will be leading the race. I think he'll react to a safety car and come into the pits. That's my prediction for that. First blue flag, I've gone for Lance Stroll on lap 40. The Aston Martins look so, so bad. And I'm not going to lie, I'd go for Latifi if I th- if I thought he would still be in the race, but I don't think he'll make it to lap 40. So I've gone for stroll lap 40 for first blue fag. And the final one, most overtakes, I'm going to estimate Ocon with nine. I feel like Alpine are one of those midfield teams that are just pretty solid. Even if Ocon has not a great qualifying, I feel like he'll come through the field because his race pace so far has been very good. And... I would say better than Alonso so far in 2022. Of course, only two races in though. But now I'm going to throw it over to you guys. What are your wacky predictions for Australia?
1: All right, I'll go. I'll go next. Okay, um, yeah, so for the for the first accident, I've got it for first accident and first i card. Got the same thing, so I'll do two in one. Uh, I've gone for Mick Schumacher on lap one. Um, I've chose him because this is his first time ever racing in Australia. Uh, he, he didn't do it in F2F3, I believe. He's only been here when his dad was racing as a as a fan, or as a as a, as a as someone watching on the side. So I think because of his lack of experience and lack of knowledge of driving around this track, which is none, I think he'll he might struggle this weekend and uh, he'll get some sort of incident on the first lap because of his lack of experience and going into the first turn, something will happen and he'll be the one that's out of the race and causing it. Um, The first pit stop, it might sound strange because I've said um, lap one incident. Um, I'm bagging on maybe, I'm spreading my knowledge here or spreading my availability of getting points. I've gone for lap 12, uh, because I'm hoping some people are gonna be starting on the softs. And I've gone for Verstappen. So similar to you, Sam. Yeah. I think he's gonna be leading the race, and I think he'll he'll pit first and cause people to react behind to see if they'll go in or stay out and, and so on. So I've gone for Verstappen on that 12. And then first blue flag, everyone's gonna probably have the same prediction. but uh, I've, I've gone for the, the big man, Matifi. TV. Yeah, I think he's gonna be dead last, <laughs> as per usual. Uh, But I don't think it'll be until at least lap 26, so some decent time to be not lapped once, but who knows, it could be earlier, it could be later. And then most overtakes. This one I struggle with, um, because there's quite a few contenders out there, but I've gone with Magnussen. I feel like he may have a poor qualifying, but have a good race because he has the car for it. Um, So, I thought he'll have the most overtakes over the course of the weekend, and I think it'll be five.
2: Very interesting. Um, I've kind of gone a few, the same as Josh. Um, First incident, um, I think it'll be Latifi, Like one. Um, You know, he's never driven around this track. I don't know, he, he might just lose his front wing, he might end up in a wall who knows um, first safety cars so that's red flag um, I think it'll be lap one lap one again maybe one of the Aston Martins or one of the Williams just you know lose their wing or have to pit um, first pit stop um, I think it'll be one new Joe um, another driver hasn't raced around his track um, I think lap one will be quite chaotic for all the rookies, all the drivers I haven't raced here. So I've gone uh, one new Joe, lap one, Uh, first blue flag, um, very similar (laughs) to uh, Josh, um, but a a few laps uh, 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 into the race. I've gone with uh, Latifi, lap 30. So not quite lap 26. And then for most overtakes, um, looking back at all the races, both Alfa Romeos have had a shocking starts. And I think that Bottas very much likes this track, but I feel like he'll get a terrible start. Have to fight his way uh, through the race. I've gone with Bottas with uh, eight overtakes.
0: Very interesting indeed. And finally, we're going to predict the podium. So this is going to tell us who you think is going to be the dominant team, the dominant drivers during Australia, I'm, I will go first. I have got, starting with third, I've got Carlos Sainz. And I think that the Ferrari package looks very... It just looks very quick and it looks very solid. And I think that Sainz will come third so many times this year because he's a great driver and he, he potentially will go up the rankings as the season goes on because he is still adjusting to this new Ferrari package. He said in Bahrain that it was his toughest weekend. He said in Saudi Arabia that he's still struggling with it. So when he gets to grips with it, I think he might go up and be in a title fight. But for now, I have got him in third. In second, uh, Charles Leclerc. Again, Ferrari looking very strong. But... First, I've got Max Verstappen, and that is for the reason that the amount of straights and the straight line speed that the Red Bull has, they look a very good bet to do well here. I mean, they've removed a chicane and made it a straight, so... That's going to really suit the car. They have four DRS zones again, will suit Verstappen down to the ground. And while the Ferrari is better in cornering, I think that straight line speed will be king in Australia. But who have you guys gone for, for your podium? Uh,
1: very similar to yours, and pretty much the same reasoning as you just said for Max Verstappen. Because of Red Bull's straight line speed, and because they've, Reduce the numbers of corners and increase the number of the arrest zones. I think Red Bull will be the strongest team this weekend. Uh, so, second my third, I've gone with your boy Sam Sergio Perez. I think he'll sneak into the podium just because of Red Bull's straight-line speed and the number of the arrest zones. But I don't think he'll quite have enough to join the top two fight of the same two dollars as it has been for the past two races of Stafford and uh, Charles. So, I've got Charles finishing a second, just because, like you said, the Ferrari is looking very, very good this season, but I don't think they'll have enough at Australia because of the straight line speeds of the Red Bull, which is why I've got Master Tappan in P1. Yes, um,
2: I'm just going to basically echo everything that you two both said about how strong Red Bull are in a straight line, and how there's four DRS zones. Uh, so P3, I've gone with Sam's man Perez, um, I think, uh, you know, it'll, it'll do quite well around this track. Um, in P2, um, I've, I decided to go a bit different. Um, so I've gone for Verstappen in P2. I um, remember Leclerc in first. Ooh,
0: you've got the Ferrari in first. Yeah, I will. At the moment, I'm being a bit cautious with Perez because realistically, if he wasn't really unlucky, he'd have a third place and a win by now but i don't want to predict him too high and then him get crashed into or something happen to him again but if he does get a result here he will definitely start popping up in my top three very regularly and if he does get a result here i'm gonna quietly say he's gonna be in the title fight but we're not gonna say it too loudly yet because he does look unbelievable this year but that wraps up our preview of the Australian Grand Prix. We're finally back at Albert Park, and I'm over the moon about a New track layout. We'll see how that plays out. But, yeah, thank you for watching. Thank you for listening to this podcast. Make sure to like, subscribe, download, whatever you need to do. Josh isn't going to be here for two weeks, coming in America, so... Hope you have a great time, Josh. And yeah, hope hope it's really good for you. So yeah, no Josh for two weeks, but you'll be getting Matt, me and Matt tomorrow for our F1 fantasy show where we're previewing that for a fantasy point of view. Make sure you follow us on social media. Our links are all down below to stay up to date on all we're doing. As I said, thanks for watching. Thanks for listening. And we'll see you next time. Cheers.